Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. I'm your host. Praise be to God. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. I'm your host, Joe McClain, keeping you informed and inspired, and it's great to be on with you. Praise be to God. We're going to have a, a great show today. I'm glad you are a part of it. It's the feast day of St. Jerome, which is, uh, I guess, in my wife's perspective, very apropos. It's our 21st uh, wedding anniversary today, and uh, he was also a curmudgeon. Praise be to God. So <laughs> it's going to be a good day. But here's a question. The Mark of the Beast Is that actually in the uh, Build Back Better budget bill that the House is trying to get passed? Hmm. I can't make this stuff up, but uh, there is a connection there, Uh, albeit maybe even uh, just uh, funny. But either way, we're going to talk about that today in the What's Concerning Us at 15 Past the Hour. And then uh, Edward Penton is back on the program today. We're going to talk about his book, The Next Pope, uh, coming up at 35 Past the Hour. Very fascinating, actually, this book, Uh, The Next Pope. The Leading Cardinal Candidates. It's published by Sophia Institute Press. Uh, It's written in a way to help cardinals get to know each other. And I find that very fascinating. So we'll have a a good conversation with Edward Penton from uh, EWTN's uh, News uh, coming up at 35 past the hour today. Also, uh, did you know today, uh, I just saw a story this morning, Texas abortion ban has saved more than 2,700 babies so far from uh, murder and abortion. Isn't that amazing? 2,700 lives saved so far due to the heartbeat bill in Texas. Praise be to God for that. Good morning to you, Janice. We're having mic problems today. Good morning to you, Janice. Good morning, Joe. <laughs> it's always something, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Speaking about the abortion law, it's interesting because I actually met a, 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 a lady yesterday who uh, she was in her 60s. And she said that in in the 70s, when abortion, I think it was 70s or 60s, when uh, abortion became, uh, there was like a law that was passed. She chose abortion because it was legal. And she felt and her her logic was, you know, if it's legal, it's it's OK. And, wow. And uh, that is that's crazy. Yeah. And that's so crazy. it made me uh, realize how powerful laws are. I mean, mm-hmm. amazing. We have uh, laws on the books that are that are absolutely insane still. And uh, and people can't seem to think past that. Speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. Yeah, praise be to God. Yes. And uh, two good things. One two. Good, or, only two. Only two. Well, there's a lot of good things. There's a lot oh, of good okay. things. Okay. Uh, for instance, the gospel. That's a good thing. <laughs> praise be to God. Uh, but here's another good thing. Okay. Today is the mm-hmm. birthday of one of our youngest listeners, That's Genevieve. Right. She just turned seven today. So congratulations, Genevieve, <laughs> on surviving birthday, another Genevieve. year. Well, we'll have to sing to Genevieve, or, or at least wish her a happy birthday. We'll do that probably in great fanfare in the after show today, which happens in the last half hour of our second hour of the program. And you can do that by, you can tune in or hang out with us by being on one of our live video feeds, which is on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. We're on Odyssey, but we're also live streaming directly to our website 
at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Great place to go to get signed up to our email list, our text blast list, get our podcasts, watch previous interviews, and so much more. The phone number to the game show is there. Everything is there. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. But happy birthday, Genevieve. Seven. That's a pretty cool year. Seven. I love that. Great number. Yeah, great number. And um, I'm just going to... That may or may not be uh, related to one of the questions in the game show coming up next hour. Not going to say further. Can't give out any more details. But I'm just saying there, that's a clue. That's, that's a clue for one of the questions next hour. Praise be to God. All right. Uh, we're going to dive into some what's concerning us sections, our uh, stories rather, at 15 past. As I said, Edward Penton on at 35 after the hour. But we're going to have uh, breaking news and stories. Then we're going to do Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and a lot more. So... Let's pray, let's dive in, and get started. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me, amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Janice Valenzuela. Good morning, friends. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janice Valenzuela, and here are your headline news for today. From LifeSite News, U.S. District Court Judge Douglas Reyes has temporarily blocked the enforcement of an Arizona law that criminalizes abortion sought specifically to eliminate pre-born babies with genetic abnormalities. Also from LifeSite News, according to the report, highly trained and specialized troops serving in the U.S. Navy SEALs air air and land teams were told by their superiors that the unvaccinated among them will not be permitted to be deployed on missions with their team members. One of the U.S. military's most elite special operation forces, the Navy SEALs, will punish troops who refuse the COVID shot for religious reasons. Also, NBA players break silence as to why they refuse COVID sh- the COVID vaccine. Washington Wizard player Bradley Beal and others have defended their decisions in public regarding the COVID-19 inoculations. In a recent interview, he said he is not interested in getting the COVID shot for personal reasons. From Blaze News, three parents have filed a lawsuit accusing the California state school curriculum for violating the U.S. Constitution over an ethnic study lesson that asked children to pray and chant to Aztec gods. Paul Jonah, the special counsel of Thomas More Society, who is representing the parents in a court case, stated, These parents are not opposed to having students learn about different cultures and religions, including the practices of Aztecs, said Paul but the California State of Board Educators has gone far beyond that by directing students to pray to Aztec deities, end quote. And this is unfortunately unac- unacceptable by many parents. Also from Blaze News, new details from a massive $3.5 trillion spending package being punished by Biden administration's officials 
and Democratic lawmakers show that included in the bill are large sums of money for climate conscience initiatives such as the tree equity and the high performance green buildings. The final draft of the behemoth Build Back Better Act was released Saturday by Democrats on the House Budget Committee, and it is already facing scrutiny for from many Americans. From Blaze News, J.P. Morgan Chase CEO Jamie Dimon revealed Tuesday the multinational investment bank is preparing for the potential the potential catastrophic event that the U.S. defaults on its debts. The eyebrow-raising comments were made as the Democrats seek to pass a 3.5 trillion spending bill which they claim cost zero dollars. Unfortunately, the Congressional Budget Office has not scored the bill, but some analysis indicate the bill, if it becomes law, could be more than four trillion towards the national debt. Also from Blaze News, in an effort to manage harmful content on its platform, YouTube announced on Wednesday new restrictions on videos that are critical for vaccines. According to their blog post statement, quote, Today, we are expanding our medical information policies on YouTube with new guidelines on currently administered vaccines that are approved and confirmed by the safe and effective by local health authorities and the World Health Organization, end quote. YouTube will essentially ban any video that falsely alleges that approved vaccines are dangerous and cause chronic health effects, claims that vaccines do not reduce transmission or contraction of disease, or contains misinformation on the substance contained in the vaccines will be removed from YouTube. Are those and, and these are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a blessed Thursday. The saint of the day is Saint Francis Borgia. He was born on the 28th of October 1510 at Grandia, Valencia, Spain. Now, keep track of all these dates. There's a lot of dates coming up. Born to the nobility, the great grandson of Pope Alexander VI and the grandson of King Ferdinand of Aragon. He was the son of Duke Juan Borgia and raised in the court of King Charles V and er educated at Saragossa, Spain. He married Eleanor de Castro in 1529 and became the father of eight children. He accompanied Charles on his first expedition to Africa and in 1535 and into province in 1536 and became the viceroy of Catalina in 1539-43. He became the Duke of Grandia in 43 to 50 and a widower in 1546. His friend and advisor, he, be, he was a friend and advisor of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Wow. He joined the Jesuits in 1548 and was ordained in 1551. He became a notable preacher and given charge of the Jesuit missions in the East and West Indies. He became the commissionary general of the Jesuits in Spain in 1560 and the general of the Jesuits in 1565. Under his generalship, the society established its mission in Florida, New Spain, and Peru, and greatly developed its internal structures. Concerned that Jesuits were in danger of getting too involved in their work at the expense of their spiritual growth, he introduced their daily hour-long meditation. His changes and revitalization of the society led to him being sometimes called the second founder of the Society of Jesus. 
He worked with Pope St. Pius V and St. Charles Borromeo in the Counter-Revolution, or Reformation rather, I suppose. He died on the 30th of September, 1572 at Ferrara, Italy, and was canonized on the 20th of June, 1670 by Pope Clement X in Rome, Italy. St. Francis Borgia, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 13, verses 47 through 52. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net which was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into vessels but threw, the, but threw away the bad. So it will be with the close of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all this? They said to him, Yes. And he said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We'll all be saved? Hmm, doesn't seem so from our Lord's words here in today's gospel. St. Jerome, whose feast day it is, said, For when the end of the world shall be come, then shall be shown the true test of separating the fishes, as in a sheltered harbor the good shall be sent into the vessels of heavenly abodes, but the flame of hell shall seize the wicked and be dried up and withered. Hmm, let that sink in. There, there is, in fact, a hell, and people do go there. You don't want to be among those people, right? Uh, I, I, I like uh, what the fathers and some of the commentary said today about all are welcome, and that's true. All are welcome, but not all will stay in the kingdom. That's the trick there. Even the Navarre commentary said, like the church, the kingdom of heaven is open to everyone, even though some will prove unworthy. At the end, the angels will separate the good from the, brat, from the bad. St. Chrysostom said, in the foregoing parables, he has commended the gospel, meaning Jesus has commended the gospel preaching. Now that we may not trust in preaching only, nor think that faith alone is sufficient for our salvation. Let that sink in. It is not good enough to simply have faith. That faith has to be manifested in our very fibers. Our life lived heroically and holy. That is the trick here today. That's what the Gospels, that is what the commentaries and the early church fathers are trying to communicate to us. Judgment is coming. Let us act as though it will matter in the end. Amen? We're going to go to break. We're going to come back. We're going to dive into some What's Concerning Us stories. All that's coming up next on Catholic Drive Time. Don't go anywhere. Tell a friend. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. 
GloryAndShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryAndShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryAndShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryAndShine.com. Thank you again. The next National Men's March to End Abortion is Monday, November 15th in Baltimore. We will gather outside of a local abortion center and march to our rally point outside of the USCCB Fall Assembly. Men, it's time. We are killing unborn children by the millions. Yet how many men should be here? But where have all the good men gone? Where are you? Go to themensmarch.com for more information and commit to join us on November 15th in Baltimore. to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Edward Penton from EWTN News is going to be on our program to talk about his book, The Next Pope, The Leading Cardinal Candidates. It's a fascinating book, actually, and I'm looking forward to having that conversation. Um, So that's coming up at 35 past the hour. Stick around for that. There are several stories in the news. I think I say that a lot, but I mean it this time. I really, really do. Uh, there are several stories in the news that I would like to jump into. Real quick, before I get to too far, though, uh, there was a very concerning report out of Big League Politics, bigleaguepolitics.com. Uh, it says, Foreign Minister of Panama warns of 60,000 Haitian illegal migrants traveling north to the U.S. border. We had 15,000 living under the bridge in Del Rio. 60,000 is a lot more. I mean, just think about that, the volume of people and think about the humanitarian crisis living under a bridge, no water, no bathrooms, no food, no shelter, really. I mean, it's just in every aspect of the conversation, there's no upsides. There's only downsides. Well, here's the other thing about that. Another article today out of the Hill. Biden administration moves to scrap remain in Mexico policy. You might remember the Supreme Court in August upheld a lower court decision requiring the Department of Homeland Security to re-implement what is formally known as the Migrant Protection Protocols. A DHS on Wednesday announced it would uphold the injunction in good faith, but the agency plans to again rescind to rescind these uh, MPP once the injunction is lifted. So they're just waiting for their time to to expire. And then they're going to go right back to what they were doing before, open borders. Open borders. And there's another headline on the border issue uh, out of Breitbart. DHS Mayorkas lose border chokes Joe Biden's poll poll ratings. So this is a poll out of Knipiak in Texas. And it's just a sample. But either way... It's clear people on both sides of the political divide don't like the current border policy because it's not good for the people. It's not good for America. There's got to be a way. There's got to be a way to have reasonable, sensible border policy that lets the good guys in and keeps the bad guys out. Why is that seemingly so impossible to achieve? I don't know, but that's a crazy story. Here's another story. And if I could make this up, I mean, I expected this to be like in a, you remember those uh, movies that were produced, I don't know, 20 years ago, Left Behind? Remember that? 
<laughs> you, I watched the first one, then I vowed never to watch another one. <laughs> uh, this is the kind of thing you would expect in a film like that. Here's the national file. Democrats slip plans for $700,000 vaccine compliance fines under U.S. Code Section 666 into budget bill. Into the Build Back Better bill, there is a $700,000 vaccine compliance fine. But I mean, I just it's hilarious, right? I mean, if it wasn't if it wasn't real, it wouldn't be as funny. But the fact that it is real is it makes it even more funny. Uh, the article reads Democrat House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has quietly slipped a provision to amend U.S. Code 666 to levy seven hundred thousand dollar fines on companies that do not enforce highly controversial vaccine mandates into Democrats' $3.5 trillion reconciliation budget bill after Democrat President Joe Biden called for persecution of businesses with over 100 employees that do not force workers to take the vaccine. Let that sink in. The provision would allow the Occupational Safety and Health Administration to fine companies $70,000 for not forcing employees to take the COVID vaccine and escalate the fine to a staggering $700,000 for willful, willful or repeated refusals to comply with the regime's demands. Located on page 168 of the 2,465-page bill, 2,406, this is like a papal encyclical these days. I mean, it's so massive. Who is reading these things? Who's got time to read 2,465 pages and absorb what's actually in there? The fact that someone has read this and caught this blows my mind. It says, located on page 168 of the 2,465-page bill, is the new language that would allow the fines to be enforced under U.S. Code uh, section 666. I still can't get over that. I mean, Joe, you're reading too much into it. Maybe, maybe. But the coincidence is uh, not lost upon me. It is striking that in this code, 666, the mark of the beast from the, from the apocalypse, is a provision that forces people to comply with their will by massive fines. 700, think about this. Think about this, the small business owner, right? Um, how about, uh, you know, the cake maker, right? He's got a small group of employees. Or, or you're, you're just your local boutique store on a strip mall someplace. Or your realtor or your insurance agency office. Or the number of small businesses, your local the diner, you know. Uh, your the, hairstylist. Your hairstylist. <laughs> I mean, you think about these people. If they don't enforce this. If they don't embrace U.S. Code 666 and its massive fines, should this get passed, uh, $700,000 fine, could they endure that? No. $70,000 would be crippling to a small business like that. $700,000 is it's over. It's game over. And then what are they going to do? Take the federal government to court? Well, how much money does that take? You know, I love the fact that we have uh, constitutional rights and freedoms given to us by our creator, not by government or Washington. That's beautiful. But golly gee whiz, how does one enforce those rights? Guarantee them? Well, through lawyers and court systems, of course. And it seems like only the rich can afford such freedoms. Well, does the document state how large the employers have to be? Is no, it like that's ma- the thing. Because okay. before, the, 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 the announcement made by Joe Biden was they were going to go through OSHA, which is referenced in this. 
They were going to go through OSHA to ensure that companies with 100 or more employees would have to do this. Well, this is trying to get all companies everywhere, no matter mm. the size. Mm, nonprofit or profit. Everybody's Everybody. on the table now. Everybody's oh. on the hook. I suppose that means uh, that gives an incentive to some companies to uh, sue the government instead of pay the fine. Because if it's seven hundred thousand dollars, I mean, it's got to be cheaper to <laughs> sue. Yeah, it's, it's got to be cheaper to sue than pay seven hundred thousand dollars. I mean, if you're a small business owner, do you have the funds to hire attorneys at all? I no. mean, you do, but it not I, like that. Listen, I had to go to court once, m- many, many moons ago. Um, my wife and I had to go to court. We had to hire an attorney. It was terribly expensive, and I was working three jobs to make ends meet. It, it's not easy. It's just not easy. Uh, it's possible, but not easy. And unfortunately, uh, that's the world we live in th- these days. And it just, I mean, it, it boggles the mind. U.S. In, code 666. You know, they, they deliberately chose. I think that's the thing that we have to like recognize. Like it was, It's not a coincidence that this comes out as <laughs> I, 666. I, I could see people being so oblivious no. to, to, uh, to what, what this signals, what this means, the, you know, the, the, uh, the appearance of this, that they wouldn't even like, think twice about it. No, I think, I think that they chose it knowing that it was going to trigger, to use the buzzwords of the left, to trigger the, uh, the Christian base of the uh of the like the bible belt and think all that be that i do think so i, I think they'd be that petty um <laughs> to try to, to deliberately make the bill 666 in order to show and then whenever people are against it they're gonna be throwing the accusation against people saying oh they're just ridiculous crazy christians who are just don't like it because it has a number 666 in it as if that actually means anything yeah <laughs> it, it is you can't make it up though I mean, it's hilarious. This is, again, something I would imagine would be in some sort of fictional, you know, a version of the apocalypse. Yeah, it's like an SNL skit. Yeah, exactly. But it's true. It's real. Even the Forbes commented on this. They're like, this is mind-blowing, you know, that uh, that this would happen, especially in the U.S. Code 666. And, uh, it, again, you can find it. We're going to link to these things, I think, on the social feeds here. But uh, Forbes actually puts out the entire code here so you can see that these penalties are being emplaced here. And it's just it is mind-blowing to see that this is the level that they're going to to force Americans into, into the, their way. Uh, college is elections have consequences, do they not? Uh, I do want to talk about a couple of other stories here. Uh, number one, let's talk about YouTube again. YouTube in the headlines. The Blaze reports, and Janice reported too, YouTube announces new ban on vaccine misinformation. And as uh, in Janice's uh, news story, it made it clear that they're now saying there can be zero negative talk about vaccines, not just COVID vaccines, all vaccines, no matter what. Now, I come from a family that's had a vaccine injury, so it woke us up to the issues related to to vaccines. And there's a lot of information out there that we were just simply unaware. Our pediatrician whom we had great conversation with on the subject, was unaware, unaware of a lot of the big issues. The fact that you can't, for instance, you can't sue pharmaceutical companies uh, in relation to vaccine injuries. There's a court you go to, and there's a, there's a, uh, like a, like a, a pot of cash that they use to pay out damages with, but that does not come from the pharmaceutical companies. That comes from you and me, the taxpayers. We pay those injuries, not the pharmaceutical companies. We're paying ourselves. Why is that? I mean, that should raise a flag, I would say. Um, If there's no issues, if there's no problems, then we should be able to 
figure this out. We should be able to have that conversation. We should have the dialogue, I would say. But in this world, in this time and these interesting days, we are not allowed to have those conversations. You aren't allowed to have an opposing opinion on these matters. And YouTube is now uh, up the game and now are going to be deleting and probably striking. They didn't say strike in the in the article. They just said uh, delete or remove. But I have to imagine that comes with a strike. Uh, and the problem is you get three strikes and you're out. Right now we're at two strikes, I think. Yep. So one more strike and, uh, and our channel's deleted. Catholic Drive Time is deleted from YouTube. But we're backing everything up on Rumble. We're backing everything up on Odyssey. Uh, so there's other places you can get our content. I would encourage everybody to make sure you're on our email list. Great way to stay in touch with us. But it is troubling to me that in a day where communication tools are so prevalent, the censorship is so high. And I, I've said this a thousand times. I'm going to say it again. Praise be to God for the medium of Catholic Radio. We have an opportunity to have conversations that are just not allowed. They're just not approved. And um, I love that. I love that we can talk about the difficult issues, even if we don't always agree with the opinions or we don't always agree with the results. Uh, ultimately, we're allowed to have the conversation. And I really appreciate that because in a digital world, a brave new digital world, that is simply not the case. We are only allowed to have approved conversations. Um, golly gee whiz, maybe that's written in the U.S. Code 666. It seems like it would be appropriate for that to be in there, too. Um, good news! President Joe Biden is expected to meet with Pope Francis at the end of October, uh, sources say, according to Catholic News Agency. Pope Francis is expected to receive Joe Biden on October the 29th in the U.S. president's first official visit to the Vatican since his, his inauguration, according to sources at the Apostolic Palace. Praise be to God. Wouldn't this be amazing? A dialogue opportunity with the most pro-abortion-supported president in U.S. history who happens to also be a Catholic. College you is. Let's all pray that His Holiness Pope Francis has a great opportunity to pull him aside and say, you know... Canon law says we should forbid you communion because of your ardent support for abortion. You wonder if that'll happen, don't you? Yeah, I do too. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Got a drive time. Take your way. This is a messy family minute from Mike and Alicia Hernan. As moms and dads, we're pulled in many directions. Our world is frantic and sometimes chaotic. We parents need to take a pause. Take some time away to become more intentional in our Catholic family life. We suggest a tool that we call the Family Board Meeting. This meeting's a time for you and your spouse to affirm each other in your giftedness, cast a vision framing what you want your family to look like, and then set concrete goals to make that vision a reality. More than ever, our world needs dynamic Catholic families. That only happens when parents are intentional about building a Catholic family culture within their home. Take time to build a culture that is stronger and more influential on your children than the culture of the world that surrounds them. To help you run this board meeting, we've created a tool for you. A download at our website, MessyFamilyProject.org. Get the worksheet and then work with your spouse to be more intentional in your family life. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. 
Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, friends. I'm Janice, and here are your headline news for today. From Catholic Vote, the Vatican has cut off pay for workers without vaccine papers. A new decree from the Vatican Secretary of State Cardinal Pietro Perillon announced that any Vatican employee without required COVID-19 documents will not be allowed to come to work and will also receive no further pay. Perilyn Perilyn wrote the decree in reference to an earlier announcement of restrictions, including the establishment of a green card requirement for entry into the Vatican State. From Catholic Vote, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention will now fund research into gun violence, framing the topic as a matter of public health. According to a report from National Public Radio, The CDC and National Institutes of Health for the first time in nearly a quarter century are funding new research on guns to help reduce firearm-related injuries, deaths, crimes, and suicides. NPR reported Second Amendment advocates have decried the CDC's foray into the gun debate, warning that if the CDC grants itself authority on the topic by claiming gun ownership as a public health issue, it won't be long before gun control efforts begin. Also from Catholic Vote, Milwaukee Archbishop Jerome Litaski is recommending that bishops consider requiring DNA tests or physical examinations to ensure all seminarians are biologically men. Recently, the Committee on Canonical Affairs and Church Governance was made aware of instances where it had been discovered that a woman living under a transgender identity had been unknowingly admitted to the seminary or to a house of formation of an institution of consecrated life. Bishop Archbishop Jerome wrote in a memo, None of the biologically female seminarians have received holy orders, he added. Also from Catholic Vote, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has inserted a provision into the controversial $3.5 trillion Build Back Better Act, which would empower the government to fine employers over half a million dollars per infrastructure that they don't enforce when if they don't enforce Biden's vaccine mandate for employees buried into page 168 of the House Democrats of the 2465 page mega bill document in a 10 it states it's there's a tenfold increase in fines for employers who willfully repeatedly or even seriously violate a section of labor law that deals with hazard death or serious physical harm to their employees forbes reported and from catholic vote senator joe manchin said wednesday night that the democrats reconciliation bill is a dead is is dead on arrival if it doesn't include the pro-life hyde amendment which prohibits taxpayer funding of abortions we're not taking the hyde amendment off hyde's going going to be to be on he said making it clear he won't give the bill its needed 50th vote if the amendment is kept up kept on it from epic times at&t 
Wireless Service announced on September 29th that it is extending its current COVID-19 vaccination policy to employers who are members of the Communications Workers of America. Also from Epic Times, several industry groups have warned world leaders of a worldwide supply chain system collapse due to the pandemic's restrictions coming as Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell suggested that the current period of higher inflation will last until 2022. And these are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a blessed Thursday. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Janice, for keeping us up to date. Uh, You know, it was the 16th century, and there was a lot of things going down. For the first part of the 16th century, you had uh, the Protestant Revolution in the church. Uh, You had many uh, Protestant uh, revolters such as Luther and and Calvin and and others that were leading the charge, but in Germany it became very uh, very toxic. Right? They were they were ransacking churches. They were rewriting the Holy Mass. They were uh, abusing and beating uh, priests in the streets. Uh, some people got murdered. I mean, it was getting pretty ugly, and there was not enough action to to stem the tide. So that was one thing going down. And then, of course, you had the the Ottoman Turks coming in mass. Uh, to assault and to siege uh, the islands in the Mediterranean, to Rhodes, for instance. All of this was happening, and then uh, amongst it all, Pope Leo X dies. And a conclave is called. And the cardinals, I think it was like, there was less than 40 cardinals that came together in this conclave. So not even all the cardinals were represented there. It was just a handful, really, you know, like 36, 39, somewhere in there. They were, they met, they met in conclave to try to elect. And of course, the powerhouses of, of Italy were there to sort of uh, make sure that their guy got in. Well, they were being opposed. Uh, there were oppositions, and there were arguments and debates, and nobody could seem to break the tie. Vote after vote. And then finally, as if the Holy Ghost had uh, a role to play in this, convinced uh, one, one of the cardinals to stand up and say, we have to look for another. We, we, we need more, because generally speaking, these men were looking at things from a, uh, a, pro, like a sort of a secular worldview. The power players. How do we approach the world from a secular point of view? How do we how do we meet the world where it's at? And again, they were at an impasse. And uh, it's fascinating because as a result to this one moment of inspiration, uh, Cardinal gets up and says, we've got to find a, a man who's different from all of us. The result was Pope Adrian. And... Uh, Took him seven months to get down to Rome, but eventually got there. And it makes a difference. It makes a big difference. And to talk about sort of uh, the papal conclave process and the next pope, we've invited Edward Penton to be on. He's got a book out that's fascinating to me. Um, and good morning to you, Edward Penton. Good morning. Praise be to God. It's good for, uh, good for you. To, uh, we're glad you're here. Thank you for being on with us. The, bo- the book is called, good grief, i got to get my act together here. The book is called The Next Pope, The Leading Cardinal Candidates, published by Sophie Institute Press. And it's been out a while, right? Yeah, it came out uh, roughly last August, so just every year. Yeah, yeah. praise be to God. A year. I, I have a fascinating question I want to ask about that. But before we get there, let's jump into why did you write this? I know you had a lot of help uh, in research and, and all of that. But why mm. did you write this and who did you write it for? Because the, when I look at this, 
it doesn't seem like it's really meant for 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 us lay folk. It's it seems like it's meant for the cardinals. What's going on? Yeah, well, the the original idea was really to to provide uh, first of all the College of Cardinals with with the leading candidates who they'd be properly equipped to know who they were, what they stood for, particularly their roles as as uh, as bishops and how they've fulfilled that role. Um, the, the three-pronged role that they have. And so that was really the aim. The aim of the book was really to, to equip them. But also we, we felt it would help uh, also the media, but also the lay faithful if they're interested to know more about these candidates and also know who to pray for at the next, at the next conclave. Um, and so that was really the main aim. Uh, it's really also based on the fact that a lot of cardinals don't know each other. Um, and that's been a problem um, especially in in recent years, because there haven't been uh, venues for for them to meet each other, and so this book was really aimed at helping them to to get better acquainted with them uh, through through this book and through uh, very detailed research on each one of them. You know, it's fascinating to even hear that. Like they don't know each other, really. Like how is that even possible? Aren't they following each other's Twitter handles? I mean, it doesn't make sense. But and yet it's true. They they probably walk in there and they have to depend upon their their advisors to tell them who's got what going on yes and that's that's another it's another sort of hazard that they have to face which is you know how can they trust what they're getting is is true and whether it's just being spun because that particular person wants this this particular cardinal to be elected pope so so yeah there's all kinds of different um different hazards and different different um, obstacles that cardinals face at a conclave and so this was really aimed at facilitating that um, but as I say, I think it's it's a useful resource for all kinds of people and and those uh, particularly with an interest in this. I started this segment by talking about the election of Pope Adrian in fifteen twenty two, and he faced he faced everything. Uh, it was a pretty difficult time. The the Protestant Reformation, the the Ottoman Turks on the move, and it was and he was sort of a surprise character. Are there any characters on your list that are surprising to you? Um, not really. I think they're all uh, pretty much uh, considered to be, or widely considered to be good candidates, good, uh, have a good chance at least of, of being elected, uh, some, some obviously more than others. Um, but we put in um, uh, Cardinal Zuppi of, Cardinal Zuppi of Bologna on there, who is actually quite a new cardinal. So that might be a surprise to some people. He was actually, I think, uh, elevated to the college in 2019. So so he hasn't been a cardinal for very long at all, but we believe that he has uh, quite a lot of the, the things that many in the college will probably be looking for, especially if they want a sort of, sort of continuity with Pope Francis. So, so that's why he was included. Is there anything you'd like to change about the, the book or the list uh, now that it's been out a year? Not really. I think um, the candidates in there are still pretty much uh, <clears throat> the main front runners. Of course, the there are the new ones sort of come up every every few months and, and others of course pass over the age of 80 or they get older hold, hold so, that thought oh, i'm sorry edward but that music yeah. means we got to go to a quick break we're going to be right back edward penton is our guest the book is the next pope the leading cardinal candidates published by sophie institute press don't go anywhere we're going to be right back more to come coming your way catholic drive time often argue they don't need to give reasons for their position because they simply lack a belief in God, the assumption being theists alone have the burden of proof. But is this rational? 
The answer is no, and here's the reason. Atheism can't simply be a lack of belief. Dogs lack belief in God, but that doesn't make dogs atheists. Atheism makes a claim about the world. Namely, God doesn't exist. As such, atheists, along with theists, must shoulder the burden of proof. Even if an atheist says he simply hasn't found any good evidence for God, he would still have to prove why the evidence theists give for God is not good evidence. No matter how an atheist looks at it, he can't sit the sidelines when it comes to defending his position on the question of God's existence. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, catholic.com. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. God is so very good. Edward Penton is our guest. We're talking about his book, The Next Pope, the Leading Cardinal Candidates. In the introduction, there is a, a, a profound quote from St. Robert Bellarmine. Um, he wrote this in 1605, April 25th, 1605. says, quote, We are about to enter into a conclave again, and we have need of much prayer. For I do not see a single person in the sacred college of cardinals that possesses the qualities necessary. And what is worse, no one is looking for such a person. It seems to me that for the vicar of Christ, we are not looking for someone who knows the will of God, that is, who is well-versed in sacred scripture. Instead, we are looking only for one who knows the will of Justinian, the legislator, other similar authors. We are looking for a good temporal prince, not a holy bishop who will truly, who truly spends himself for the good of souls, unquote, St. Robert Bellarmine. Edward Penton, welcome back to the program. That is a hammer blow. Yes, I mean, that's, uh, that it really uh, puts its finger on the, on the challenges that can face uh, the, the College of Cardinals, because often um, they won't find uh, uh, candidates who obviously tick all the boxes, so they have to really go for for someone who they think is best suited. And I think as St. Teresa of Avila said, it's better that uh, that the candidate is good at administration rather than a holy, a holy man, because that makes him more able to govern. And of course, governance is one of the key areas. Um, there is also the other two, which is sanctifying um, and, uh, uh, yeah, sanctifying and uh, governing. But, they, but that, those, that, that's really the key issue uh, for a pope is 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 that, and so if he can't do that, then uh, then they they need to look elsewhere. But they, uh, obviously, the, the there's only a, a small crop, or rather a small pool of, of candidates they can choose from, and it's not always easy. I'm sure. to find the one who's most appropriate, isn't it? But uh, we kind of want both, do we not? We want someone. One of the biggest critiques of JP two was that he failed to govern the Curia, and bad things happened when he was looking the other way. Um, so we we kind exactly, of yeah. want both, right? We want a holy, uh, madly in love with Jesus Christ and the tradition and patrimony of Holy Mother Church, and someone who is able to govern uh, the wolves wearing sheep's clothing, so to speak. 
Right, of course. And uh, and especially these days, I think what uh, I was speaking to a cardinal recently and he said what what I, what he thinks most of the cardinals are going to be looking for is the maintenance of apostolic tradition mm. and doctrine rather than um, someone who's going to be constantly sort of pushing the envelope and wanting change and and uh, development of doctrine, but somebody who's actually more more uh, sort of rooted in the in the apostolic tradition. And so so there's that too. And um, so it, and that's particularly could be a particular challenge for the next conclave because many of those cardinals that Pope Francis has chosen uh, do seem to be those who who want to, who are sort of on the more progressive wing. And so, uh, uh, not all of them, of course. Some some are quite conservative, especially those from from Africa and the developing world. But uh, but yes, that's, so that's another challenge. So there's there's various um, various aspects I'll be looking for, um, and uh, that changes, of course, over time. But I think at the moment, that probably is what they'll be looking for most. You know, for a while, everybody was saying that it's clear that we're going to get a Francis II after this uh, pontificate. But now a lot of people are saying that people are kind of getting what they're calling Francis fatigue. And uh, is this true among the Cardinals? And uh, does that mean that we're going to get someone that's more conservative, someone more traditional? What's it looking like in terms of um, the disposition of the Cardinals right now? Sure. Well, it's it's difficult to say because, of course, there's so many of them and, and they all have different opinions. Um, but there is that old famous saying, the Romans saying that a a fat pope follows a thin one, or vice versa, and that means that the pendulum tends to swing back. So if you've had a, a, a certainly a, a sort of more liberal, progressive pope, then it tends to swing back to a conservative one, and and then and then swings back again. So um, it does seem. I I think it's probably more likely that you would get uh, a more conservative pope, certainly someone who's more low key uh, than than Pope Francis. Uh, in the coming conclaves. And I think as time goes on, that's more and more likely, I would say. And so one thing that I was thinking is, you know, we get this uh, comment all the time. People will say, well, you know, we shouldn't be criticizing the Holy Father because uh, the Holy Spirit chose the Pope. And therefore, uh, we shouldn't criticize him because he's hand chosen by God. Is this true? And or is there a degree of truth to this? What what What's the truth here? No, that's always a fallacy that the Holy Spirit chooses the Pope. Certainly the Holy Spirit is called upon by the cardinals to assist in their choice, but he doesn't uh, actually make the choice. And I think Cardinal Ratzinger, when he was cardinal, of course, once said uh, that the Holy Spirit merely prevents uh, the whole process from being ruined. <laughs> so so the, they, the, the cardinals are perfectly free to choose whoever they want. Um, but of course, we hope that they'll be inspired by the Holy Spirit to do, to make that right choice. But as I say, it's not a... A hard and fast rule. It's certainly, um, it's not true that the Holy Spirit chooses that candidate. And now I've heard that people were that the Pope is not allowed to, or some the people are not allowed to campaign for a certain pontiff. If is that true? And if they do, does that invalidate their papacy? How does that work exactly? Once they're in the conclave, what happens? And um, how does that make any outside influence that they had going into it? How does that affect? the validity or the decision-making there? Yes, well, it's a, it's a bit gray of a gray area. I know that um, certainly within the conclave, they're not supposed to campaign for any candidate uh, once the conclave has begun. But that's not to say that before the conclave, certain um, jockeying for position can't take place, and it, and it does. I mean, even before Cardinal Ratzinger's election, there were meetings held uh, by a certain, a certain group uh, connected with Opus Dei, I believe, which was, which was trying to to um, sort of create a, 
a, I don't know, a, a basically a basis of a support for, for Cardinal Ratzinger if there were a conclave. Um, and that also happened um, at the last one with, with uh, Cardinal Bergoglio. There were certainly uh, friends of his who were uh, getting on the phones and ringing up certain cardinals trying to get support before the conclave took place. So um, it does happen, uh, but I think the strict rule is that if it happened in the conclave, that's, that's an excommunicable offense, and so that mustn't happen. Wow, excommunicable offense. Um, but are they enforcing that these days? It doesn't seem like that's uh, really high on the uh, priority list of the, the Curia anymore. But let me ask you about the point that you brought up in this uh, intro to your book, uh, the, the Next Pope, The Leading Cardinal Candidates, published by Sophie Institute Press. You make a distinction uh, about the Pope not being Christ himself. He's just simply the vicar of Christ as a way of talking about the qualities necessary to make a good pope. Can you talk about that? Yes. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's very detailed in, in the book, but uh, there, there are various, um, as I say, there are various uh, aspects of, of, a, of a pope which, which they'll be looking for. Um, and it's, it really depends on, um, as I say, their, their role as a sanctifier, as a bishop, their role as a governor as well. Um, and those are the key issues, but there, there are various other ones too. I mean, there's um, uh, obviously there shouldn't be somebody who's sort of um, out lusting for power, and, and actually, often as as in politics, those who really want the job of a, a prime minister or a president are often the ones who are ill-equipped to to be that, and that's often the case too in in the College of Cardinals that those who who want such a job tend to be the the, the least um, the least appropriate for it, um, and so that tends to be um, tends to be the case. There were um, I'm, there were a list uh, that I think um, Saint Robert Bellarmine, or rather Saint Bernard of Clairvaux, uh, drew up, and um, he drew up I think about nine or ten points that they should look for. Uh, the first one was that the Pope must not be wholly absorbed in activity, but should remember that his principal work is to edify the Church, to pray, and to teach people. And that teaching office is is another key issue which um, which they look for that ability to teach. Um, and then above all, he said, above all the other virtues, the Pope must cultivate humility. And by the amount you are raised above others, even more should your humility be manifest. So that's another another key um, virtue that they're looking for. Another one is that his zeal should regard his personal sanctity and not worldly honours. Um, and again, as I said earlier, the ones who sort of long for sort of worldly power of the ones who, who really should be avoided. Um, and those who sort of seek worldly honors and world recognition are also those who are probably ill-equipped to be Pope. It's very much um, those who, who really, uh, as the Pope's old title is, the servant of the servants of God, um, he really should be that, that very much the servant of the servants of God and someone who will affirm the faith um, for the faithful and keep faithful to tradition and doctrine. I think that's that tends to have been traditionally at least uh, the sort of person they've been looking for. I was uh, I was a little bit surprised to see, uh, for instance, uh, Cardinal Burke on here, Raymond Leo Burke. He's on here, Cardinal Sura. Uh, how about uh, Cardinal Gerhard Mueller is on here. Uh, but let's talk about Burke for a second. Uh, given the uh, the criticisms that have come out, especially even the comment from His Holiness Pope Francis, what was it last week, week before? Uh, on uh, on on Burke, do you think it's even possible? I've heard other people say in the past that it's probably not likely to 
uh, that we'll ever see an American cardinal become pope? What say you, Edward Penton? Well, that is a, that is a, certainly an argument, and the fact that the U.S. is is a superpower does tend to, to rule him out some somewhat. But he's uh, he is an outlier. That's true, Cardinal Burke. But at the same time, he does have very much a strong following and a devoted following. Um, and even though he has uh, he's a bit of a lightning rod for some people, um, uh, very many people who know him speak of him very differently to those obviously who uh, who are his critics, and they say that he's very a holy man. Um, I can I know that from myself. There's somebody who who clearly is an expert in canon law, someone who could administer, someone who ticks many of the boxes uh, as a governor, uh, teacher, and sanctifier in his offices as, as bishop. And so um, perhaps uh, you know, he, as I say, he's an outlier. But I tend to think that you know we could be in for a surprise at this conclave, and and Cardinal Berg may be that surprise. Who knows? But. Uh, but I think there's, there's still a possibility that he could be. All right. Well, praise be to God. Edward Penton has been our guest. His book is The Pope, The Leading Cardinal Candidates, published by Sophia Institute Press. I encourage everybody to pick it up. Check it out. It's pretty good. But uh, Edward Penton, thank you for your time today. God bless you. God love you. And have a great day. Thank you. Good to be with you. Good to be with you, too. Praise be to God. That's going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. Thank you for everybody who has been able to join us. We always love having you on the show. Praise be to God. If you can join us in the second hour, we would really love to have you. We're going to have a little fun playing our Fear and Trembling trivia game, and prizes are involved. Someone could win. It might be you, but you got to call and be our contestant when the time is right. Tune in at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. God bless you. God love you. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. friend asked me why Catholics have crucifixes in our churches. Don't we believe Jesus has risen? Why do we keep him on the cross? Well, first of all, you want to check out 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23. Paul says, but we preach Christ crucified. Why does Paul preach Christ crucified? Doesn't he know Jesus has been raised from the dead? Well, of course he does. But he knows that it is through the power of the crucified Christ on the cross that the bonds of sin and death are broken. As he says in verse 24, Christ crucified is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Again, didn't Paul know that Jesus had risen from the dead? Well, of course he did. Paul preaches Christ crucified because an empty cross has no power. The cross that bears the beaten, battered, and bloodied body of Jesus Christ, however, that cross is the power of God. So we keep Jesus on the cross because we, too, preach Christ crucified. And the crucifix reminds us not only of God's power, but also his love for us, giving his only begotten son up for death and suffering. Also, here in this life, we do not share so much in the glory of the resurrection as we do in the suffering of Jesus on the cross. After all, we must take up our cross daily if we are to follow Jesus, as it says in Luke 9, verse 23. And we must die with Christ in order to live with him, as Romans 6, 8 tells us. Where did Christ die? On the cross. One other passage to keep in mind is Galatians 3, verse 1. 
O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? Did you catch that? Jesus was publicly portrayed before their eyes as being crucified. Sounds kind of like they may have been looking at a crucifix, doesn't it? A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern. Right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to God. Good morning. It's good to be on with you. It's uh, the feast day of St. Jerome. St. Jerome prayed for us. He was the, the curmudgeon of the saints, as I like to call him. He, he, he was feisty, St. Jerome. And it's apropos because today is also uh, my 21st anniversary of marriage to my lovely and beautiful wife, who, who also thinks that uh, I'm a curmudgeon. So there's a lot of um, coincidence going on there. Praise be to God. But for all of you that are enjoying a wedding anniversary today, or let's just say this week, hey, happy anniversary to you. Praise be to God. Hats off. Uh, prayer. Let's pray for uh, weddings today. Uh, let's pray for uh, marriages. Let's, let's pray that they're strengthened today on the show. But uh, we had a great conversation with Edward Penton. He has a book called The Next Pope, The Leading uh, Cardinal Candidates. It's been out over a year, but it's actually a very interestingly put together book because it has a purpose, and that is to introduce you to the leading candidates, but to help them get to know each other too. And I found that very, very fascinating. So, uh, good conversation with Edward Penton. Good morning to you, Janice. Good morning, Joe. Uh, happy anniversary hey, to praise you be and God. your wife. Yeah, and, praise uh, 100% did- all happy all the time. There, oh. <laughs> there were no downsides. Don't ask her. Don't bother fact-checking me. Just take my word for it. <laughs> well, they say iron sh- iron sharpens iron, so <laughs> I, I'm sure that uh, some difficulties will no, perfectly <laughs> are actually good for marriages. Awesome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Did you guys intentionally choose that day because of that feast day? Do you guys have like a special oh, no. devotion to that? <laughs> I didn't even know there were feast days when we chose that day. <laughs> <laughs> so you, how, what percentage of you were, were you Catholic? Like, were you like uh, 10% okay, Catholic? So so <laughs> when I asked her to marry me, she that's when she said I had to become Catholic. So I went mm. to RCIA and uh, became Catholic in the Easter Vigil of 1999, and we were married a year later. So Wow. Yeah. Praise God. So your marriage brought you back to the church. Also. Well, into the church. Yeah. Into the church. Yeah. Praise be to that's God. That's awesome. Praise yeah. God. Women are some of the greatest evangelists in the history of the church. That, aren't, that elbow evangelization that happens, hey, 
you're going to have to become Catholic. That has worked wonders in the history of the church, especially the early church, by the way. Uh, speaking of needing wonders, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. Is it and now? Yes, it is. You know why? Why? Well, two things. Mm-hmm. One. Only two. Only two. Okay. Uh, one is, yes, I have to agree with uh, with the uh, former people who have mentioned the curmudgeonness. The of, former uh, people. The, uh, that's a great category. The, <laughs> meaning uh, Jerome, Joe McClain. <laughs> Preach it, brother. You know. Preach it. And the other good news, <laughs> the other good news is that Genevieve's birthday is today. One of our hey, faithful listeners. Happy God birthday. God bless you, Genevieve. She turned seven years old today. So happy birthday, Genevieve. That's amazing. I'll be praying for you today. Amen. So those are the two things that I wanted to, uh, we'll you know, have to serenade two good things. Genevieve in the after show, I think. We'll sing to her in Spanish. Right, Joe? Um, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. We'll get there someday. Praise be to God. Uh, we're going to have a great show today, though, in this hour, and we're grateful for everybody hanging out with us. Uh, if you are hanging out on the live video feed, well, good morning to you. Praise be to God. Make sure to smash the like button and the share. That helps us a lot. If you're listening on the radio station, praise be to Jesus, will you share that radio station with a friend? Text them, email them, put a bumper sticker on your car. Those are great ways to evangelize and plant seeds in the hearts of so many people uh, sharing Catholic radio with others. But either way, we're going to do uh, the good news segment. We're going to do Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and then we're going to play our game, Fear and Trembling, the Catholic trivia game show that's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, that's coming up at 15 past the hour. You could possibly win some prizes, but you do have to be the caller at the appropriate time. So make sure you're listening for the phone number or go to our website and get the phone number for right off of our website at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. That's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Let's jump in. Let's pray and get started. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the good news with Janice Valenzuela. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, friends. I'm Janice, and here are your headline news for today. From an Atlanta police officer decided to hang up his badge after seeing that many children were falling into gang activity in Atlanta. Uh, He decided to leave his career and start a Christian school specifically designed for disadvantaged communities with children that were members of gangs. From Catholic News Agency, Catholic Social Services of the Archdiocese of Philadelphia is once again helping make foster care placements possible for many families without children. Following a legal settlement with the city to cap a years-long court battle, the Supreme Court in June ruled in favor of Catholic Social Services in its lawsuit against the city in major religious freedom cases of Fulton versus City of Philadelphia. The agency and two foster moms working with it had allegedly had the city violated religious freedom when in 2018 it stopped contracting with the agency due to its religious stance on marriage. The city handles all foster care placements and contracts 
And after the ruling, the Catholic Social Services had reached its settlement with the city and could once again help make placements of foster children. Praise God. Also from Catholic News Agency, Michael P. Warson, Chief Executive Officer of EWTN, an officer of Relevant Radio, and Tim uh, Bush from the Napa Institute have announced a joint effort to pray and promote the daily rosary during the month of October for the, an- for the end of legal abortion in America and an outpouring of support for expecting expecting mothers with the Supreme Court of the United States states taking up the Dobbs case in December that could lead up to overturning Roe versus Wade. The justices will need the grace of wisdom and courage to confront the issues honest, honestly. Warsaw Hoffman and Bush hope many other Catholic organizations will join this effort by praying and promoting the Daily Rosary in October for this intention and thus mobilize millions of America in prayer. From Catholic News Agency, the Canadian bishops are aiming to raise $30 million over the next five years to support the indigenous people of the country, including survivors of residential schools. The bishops of Canada, as a tangible expression of their commitment to walk with indigenous people of this land along the pathway of hope, are making a nationwide collective financial commitment to support healing and reconciliation initiatives for residential school survivors these fam- for their families and their communities. The Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops announced on September 27th statement, the bishops will launch fundraising initiatives throughout the country to be achieved at the local level with parishes across Canada being encouraged to participate and amplify the efforts. Also from Catholic News Agency, American priest, there's an American priest who was a prisoner of a war in Korea and whose remains were missing for 70 years. Now they have been identified and have remained in Kansas for burial. EWTN will be covering his Mass of Christian Burl Wednesday. The remains of Servant of God Father Emil Kapun returned to his hometown of Pilsen, Kansas on Saturday ahead of his formal funeral Mass on Wednesday, September 29th. The arrival of Kansas marks the conclusion of a 70-year-old journey towards Kapun, a U.S. Army captain and chaplain in World War II and the Korean War which he died in North Korea as a prisoner of a war camp at the age of 35. A, a private service will be held in his hometown parish in Pilsen before a public vigil and funeral mass will be celebrated in Wichita on Tuesday and Wednesday. And these are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a blessed Thursday. The saint of the day is St. Francis Borgia. Uh, pay attention because there are a lot of dates that will be noted here. He was born on the 28th of October, 1510, at Grandia, Valencia, Spain. He was born to the nobility, the great-grandson of Pope Alexander VI. Hmm, great-grandson. He was the grandson of King Ferdinand of Aragon and son of Duke Juan Borgia. He was raised in the court of King Charles V and educated at Saragossa, Spain. He married Eleanor de Castro in 1529 and was the father of eight children. He accompanied Charles on his expedition to Africa in, in 1535 and to Provence in 1536. He became the Viceroy of Catalina in 1539 to 1543. 
and the Duke of Grandia in 43 to 50. He was a widower at the year 1546. He became the friend and advisor of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Wow. He joined the Jesuits in 1548 and was ordained in 1551. He became a notable preacher and was given charge of the Jesuit missions in the East and the West Indies. He became the Commissionary General of the Jesuits in Spain in 1560 and the General of the Jesuits in 1565. Under his generalship, the Society established its missions in Florida, New Spain, and Peru. And they greatly developed its internal structures and concerned that the Jesuits were in danger of getting too involved in their work at the expense of their spiritual growth. He introduced their daily hour-long meditation. His changes and revitalization of the society led to him being sometimes called the second founder of the Society of Jesus. He worked with the Pope, with Pope St. Pius V and St. Charles Borromeo in the Counter-Revolution or Counter-Reformation. He died on the 30th of September, 1572 at Ferrara, Italy, and was canonized on the 20th of June, 1670 by Pope Clement X in Rome, Italy. St. Francis Borgia, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 13, verses 47 through 52. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net, which was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into vessels, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the close of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all this? They said to him, Yes. And he said to them, Therefore every scribe, who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out his treasure, what is new and what is old. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, commenting today, uh, St. Gregory the Great, he has some good comments about how all are welcome. All are welcome, right? The rich, the poor, the old, the young. The foolish, the wise, the free, the slave, everybody is welcome. Praise be to God. But he goes on to say, For as the sea signifies the world, so the seashore signifies the end of the world. And as the good are gathered into vessels, but the bad cast away, so each man is received into eternal abodes, while the reprobate, having lost the light of the, of the inward kingdom, are cast forth into outer darkness. But now the net of faith holds good and bad mingled together in one, but the shore shall discover what the net of the church has brought to the land. The church is gathering souls, but when it gets to the shore, that's when the sorting happens. The good go to heaven, the bad go to hell. There are souls in hell. Let's not be among them, and let's pray and work towards the salvation of all souls for the glory of God. Amen? Adrian, what did you find? Uh, yes, the similar thing. Well, Cornus Lapide notes that the, the dragnet symbolizes a, the fact that it was a sweeping of the water, so it's not, it's not discriminating. It's describing them all. It's grabbing all the fish and bringing them all together. And the fishers, the fishes, uh, or the fish, I don't know. The fish are believers. The fishermen are the apostles and the dragnet is the church and the gospel. And so the fish, what does that imply? That implies that there are believers 
that will be cast out. And so Cornelius Lapide says that St. Augustine rightly proves against the Donatists that in the church, there are not only good people, or as Calvin says, the elect, but bad and reprobate people. So there are those who will be damned that are members of the church. And this is a true fact. This is a, it's something that we have to deal with today because we recognize there are people who are Catholic and they are not living to the faith. They may even be believers, but they are not going to be saved. Why? Because they do not adhere to the teachings of the church. And then last thing, the angels will come and separate them. This is uh, the, and Father Von Kochem's, the four last things, he talks about how this is exactly what will happen uh, at the second coming. The Your guardian angel will come and he either, he'll take you to the Valley of Jehoshaphat to your second uh, judgment. All there right. You go. Praise be to God. We're going to play our game, Fear and Trembling, but we need a contestant. Will you call now? If you've never played or it's been a long time, call right now. Phone lines are open, 877-757-9424. The questions have to do with electing a pope and the apocalypse. That's all in there, too. It's going to be pretty easy, though. 877-757-9424. Call right now, 877-757-9424. Be our contestant at 877-757-9424. Call right now. We'll be right back. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin. Because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2.10-11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear 
and trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do me a favor and don't tell anybody what I'm about to tell you. All right. But there are a few things we like to do on this program, especially during the game show segment uh, that I just don't you know, share publicly. But number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something you did not know before. And that's always a good thing. Praise be to God. We also like to have a good time. And our callers tend to be really good sports. They laugh with us. And uh, most of the time, don't cry with us. That's a good thing. Praise God. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which makes it a winner for everybody involved. So here's the deal, though. If you're just joining us and you're trying to figure all this out, I have three Catholic trivia questions in my hand, uh, but we do not ask the caller. So the caller does not even need to know the answers to these questions to still win the game and possibly the prize. Uh, the reason why is because I don't ask them these questions. Instead, I will ask Janice and I will ask Adrian. One of them will be right and the other will be wrong. The caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whom do they trust more? And then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Janice, what could they win? Uh, this week we have a uh, an amazing guest uh, sponsor, Daybreak Watchmen. A $45 value five hook rosary plaque. This plaque is designed to assort and display your rosaries, your house keys, your dog leashes. Uh, it's a beautiful uh, addition to your home altar. So if you pray the rosary with your family and you have a bunch of rosaries laying around, this is a great uh, plaque that you can hang up to your wall next to your home altar to decorate your home altar and, and place all your rosaries beautifully. Uh, again, it's a Daybreak Watchman. It's a $45 value five hook rosary plaque. It's I think it's perfect for a home altar of a family of five or more. Praise be to God. All right. Well, thank you, Daybreak Watchmen. You can go to their website at daybreakwatchmen.com to see their products. And uh, I'm going to be sending an email out to the CDT insiders tonight. And I want to say Daybreak is providing a little extra incentive, a little extra love and thank you. And I'll be providing that in the email. So make sure you're on our email list. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT to make sure you're getting the emails on the ins on the insiders, right? All right, praise be to God. Let's go to the phones. Uh, thank you to everybody who tried to call in today. But Rick, good morning to you. Praise be to God. We appreciate having you on the show today. Good morning. Praise be to God. Rick, where are you from? Uh, Spring, Texas. Hey. Houston. Nice. I know the area very, very well. Where do you go to church? Christ, the Good Shepherd. Wonderful. Praise be to God. Now, uh, have you been listening to the show, Rick? Do you know how the game is played? Yes, sir, I do. And do you do you have any op opinions about Janice or Adrian being tricky? I think they both are. Oh, Rick, you got to commit now. <laughs> now, no sense, no fence sitters here, sir. All I'm saying is, I think I'm pretty easy. That's oh. all I'm saying. <laughs> all right, Rick, we're going to play the game, but. Uh, you're going to have to make some tough choices today because they're both very, very tricky, and we'll just see how it goes today. Are you ready, sir? Yes, sir. Here we go. We're going to go with Janice, as is our custom. Janice, are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Are you sure? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Are you ready? Janice, can you tell <laughs> me what is the maximum number of cardinals allowed to participate in papal elections? Uh... Hmm, I would say that's, uh, if I remember correctly, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think that would be about 120. 120? That's yeah. a lot. That's a lot. Okay. 
Let's just go with Adrian to see if we can get a second opinion on this. Adrian, can you tell me what is the maximum number of cardinals allowed to participate in papal elections? Huh. I feel like we just talked about this stuff. I don't know. I don't. I can't recall. But I'm gonna say twelve. You know, because there's there are mm. twelve apostles and symbolic. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Huh. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, Rick, here's the deal. Adrian seems to think there's twelve cardinal electors to elect a pope, whereas Janice says it's 120. Huge diff between these two. But uh, 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Rick. What say you? Uh, Denise? Are you sure? <laughs> ah, he got it. He got it. You didn't even let him answer there, Adrian. Wow. He got it. You, you're trying to trick the <laughs> no, poor guy. I was giving him a moment of reflection is all. Discernment. Good grief. Rick, well done. You were right, sir. 120. Did you know that, Rick? I'm just curious. Was that an easier one? No, sir, I did not know it. Well, now we know. Praise be to God. <laughs> I intentionally tried to sound like I didn't know the answer. See? Yeah. See? See what I'm saying? See what I'm saying? This is what I have to deal with every day on Thank the show. <laughs> but you're in the cup. You might win. Praise be to God. Let's see if we can't double your chances, though, Rick. We're going to go to Adrian. Uh, another papal question today. Uh, Adrian, can you tell me, is the fisherman's ring containing the name of the reigning pope worn by the pope no it is not worn by the pope it's actually worn by his uh cardinal secretary really yep huh um do you know who his cardinal secretary is the current one no i don't know okay 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 uh janice Mm -hmm. can you tell me is the fisherman's ring containing the name of the reigning pope worn by the pope Hmm. Well, I've actually never. Uh, You've never wh- won the reigning pope's ring. <laughs> uh, is that what you're going to say? Wait, what? What did Adrian say again? He said no. He said no. Mm. Absolutely. He said we're just worn by the cardinal secretary. Well, I guess I have to say yes since he said no. You, you're you're duty bound. Yeah. <laughs> to be opposite of Adrian. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Seems like a contrarian. That seems like a philosophy of life worthy of looking into. To be completely opposite of Adrian all the time. Hmm. <laughs> So your answer is yes, then. You think it's the Pope that wears the fisherman's ring? I think so, but I, okay. I'm kind of forced to say no, so I'm going to say no. <laughs> well, well, he said no, so is your oh, answer wait. yes yeah. or no? Like, yes. I'm confused. <laughs> I'm totally confused, too. Yes. Maybe, maybe we should just pray with Rick, because otherwise we're all confused here. My answer is yes. Okay, so Rick, mm-hmm. here's the deal. I think there's a deal anyway. Uh, Janice says yes. Adrian says no. The question is, is the fisherman's ring containing the name of the reigning pope worn by the pope? Yes or no? Rick, what say you? Yes. (laughs) Rick is very confident. (laughs) How could he have ever known? I don't know. I'm I'm totally lost. Uh, Congratulations, Rick. Thank you for for, uh, seeing through the fog. And, And you're in for two. How do you feel, Rick? I feel great. Praise be to God. Praise be Rick, to God. Rick is a wise man. He is, uh, yes, yeah. a very, uh, very astute wise man to be. Can you, wi- tell, can you tell my wife that? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> From your lips to God's ears, Rick. <laughs> All right, third question. I think we can get a perfect score here. We'll have to see how this goes, but uh, we're going to go back to Janice on this one. Janice, which number, which number, we talked about a number today, but which number 
reoccurs many times in the book of the of Revelation, or otherwise known as the Apocalypse. Which number reoccurs many times in that book? Oh yes, the Apocalypse. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. That would be six six six. Does it? Yeah, the book. So the book of Revelation is known for talking about the apostasy of the church and yeah. um, wow. you know the uh, uh, the devil, and so the the number of the beast is six six six. Sounds so heavy. So in the book of Revelation, six 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 is repeated frequently. Oh, I thought that was just something Congress likes to do. No. Ooh. Uh, okay. Same. Ouch. Same. Oh, okay. 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 <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's just see what Adrian has to say. Oh, good old double major Adrian over there. Adrian, can you tell me uh, which number? In the book of the Apocalypse, uh, reoccurs many times. Yes, that would be the age of Genevieve. <laughs> Which is? Seven. seven. Okay, so you're saying seven reoccurs many mm-hmm. times in the book of Apocalypse. Many, many times. Okay. Hmm. Rick, here's the deal. Adrian's on for seven, whereas Janice is on for 666. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Rick, what say you? Adrian. Are you sure? What Got it. <laughs> Got it. A little fast that's there. The, that's, that's the wisdom right there. Wow. It's saying Adrian. Rick, Rick, you are a wise you, man. You're a brave man, Rick, <laughs> to ever go with Adrian as the right answer. But uh, you're a perfect score. Did you know that one, Rick? Honestly, no. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I think one could have made an argument for the number 12. Uh, that reoccurs many times in the apocalypse, actually. So six 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 is only mentioned like what? Once, twice? I think once or twice <laughs> yeah. in the same reference. So seven is the is the correct answer. You're in for three, Rick. Congratulations. Good luck to you. You're gonna have to tune in tomorrow to see if it be God's will that your name is drawn from the coffee cup of divine providence. But uh, we're very grateful that you are a good sport today and played our game. God love you. God bless you. We're gonna put you on hold, but have a great day. God bless you. Thank you. Praise be to God. All right, that's going to do it for the radio side of our show. Rick was a lot of fun. Praise God. Those were fun questions. If you can join us in the after show, we will conversate with you about whatever you want, whatever's on your heart or your mind. You get to drive the conversation. All you got to do is be on one of our live video feeds, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Odyssey, or just on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. But tomorrow... Medal of Honor recipient Master Chief Edward Byers is going to be on the program to talk about his journey to the Medal of Honor and his Catholic faith. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome to the after show of Catholic Drive Time, where we get a little bit more casual about our conversation. We talk about whatever you want to talk about. So the way you do this, if you're new here, is one commenting. Okay, that's an important aspect of this conversation. Is uh, you have to comment. You got to actually comment on the on the video feed. So wherever you're at, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Odyssey, or Right on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt, like Paul and Sue are. Praise be to God. Good morning to both of you. Uh, Make sure you leave a comment. What do you want to chat about? Let let us know. 
let us know. We'd love to chat with you about whatever you want. Otherwise, then I typically talk about movies or entertainment or food or something like that. So Or Cardinal Electors. Or Cardinal Electors today. We can talk about that because we, you know, during, as, as I was asking the question, how many Cardinal Electors were there? The, the thought came to me that this is an outdated question, that the answer is 120, but I'm not sure it's still 120. I think they might have changed it. And the, and the, uh, the card needs to be updated. But hey, let's thank some folks for being here. Let's go with uh, Mary Barone. Good morning to you. Praise be to God. Burrier family of court, Genevieve. We owe you a happy birthday this morning. Praise be to Jesus. We will do that here in a moment. Uh, William Hemsworth. Good morning to you. Uh, the Bible Catholic. It's good to see you here. Uh, Colin, top of the morning to you, sir. Christopher Velasquez, good morning to you. Mike, good morning to you. Thanks for hanging out with us over on Odyssey. Who's on Facebook? Uh, sorry, I don't have it up. One second. I'll do it. If you're if you're researching, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, Patty, good morning to you. Buddy, good morning to you. Ubi, good morning to you. Praise be to God. Uh, Joe Poyman, good morning to you. Thanks for hanging out here. Uh, Michelle Vaughn, good morning to you. Glenn Trahan, good morning to you. Praise be to Jesus. Um... Let's see here. Christopher Velasquez. <laughs> Hashtag double major Fonseca. Yeah. Jesus Robles, our friend of the show. Good morning to you. Praise be to Jesus. A lover of Cornelius Halapi Day now. <laughs> Look what you've done. He's welcome. You're corrupting a new generation. A new generation? Uh, okay, he's old. I got it. Sonia Morales, good morning <laughs> to you. <laughs> uh, Don, good morning to you. Sita, good morning to you. Praise be to God. It's good to see you here, Sita. Thank you for hanging out with us. And uh, Michelle, Michelle says, Joe and Michelle, she must be awesome with such a beautiful name. True story. Yeah, it's a true story. Happy anniversary. Happy celebrations. Thank you, Michelle. God bless you. God love you. I'm grateful to you. I'm grateful for everybody and their anniversary. So well apparently, wishes. there are currently, as of today, mm-hmm. as of... As of the 30th of September, 2021, uh, there are currently 121 cardinal electors. Um, and the rule... How, under, under, how many? 121. Oh, uh, there's 121. Okay. So there's one over the normal limit. Okay. And so Paul VI, apparently, uh, if I'm wrong, I apologize, because I don't actually know about this. I'm just reading from mm. different stuff right if now. If you're wrong. Uh, yes. If mm. It's possible. Well it's worded, not, sir. It's not likely well that I'm wrong. Well worded. As if, it's not likely, but Paul VI <laughs> changed the um, the rules for cardinal electors, and he set the limit in 1975 to 120 cardinal electors, and that once you reach the age of 80, mm. you're ineligible to participate. Okay, so Francis raised the number of cardinals. Yeah, so he raised the number of cardinals, and John cardinal Paul II... But the electors haven't changed. Well, okay, so John Paul II, for instance, he... Um, said basically that there were um that there he would just basically change it so he didn't officially change any rules but he just kept on appointing new cardinal electors Mm. and so there were more than 120 though technically on the books it's still 120 but there are uh as long as they're under the age of 80 they're still allowed to vote yeah yeah uh clarissa's like new pope (laughs) <laughs> she missed the whole show. She's like, what are you talking about? Is there a new Pope? <laughs> yes, it's vegan. <laughs> Good luck. No, 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 no. Francis is still the Pope. Nothing's changed that way. We, but the, we, Clarissa, we had uh, Edward Penton on the program. We're talking about his book about uh, the next Pope, the Cardinal Electors. And uh, so it was a fascinating conversation about, about the, uh, the, the candidates that are most likely to be considered uh, for the papacy. 
and his book and, and the qualifications. I mean, that quote from St. Robert Bellarmine is like, wow. It is so amazing. St. Uh, uh, Bernard of Clairvaux provided some insight, which is quoted in this book, and Benedict XV used that as a basis for trying to reform the conclave system. And uh, some really good insights here. Uh, St. Bernard says, The Pope must not be wholly ab- absorbed in activity, but should remember that his principal work is to edify the church, to pray, and to teach the people. Awkward. Did you catch that? He should not be absorbed in activity, but should be remem- but should remember that his principal work is to edify the church, to pray, and to teach the people. This is uh, St. Bernard of Clairvaux and Benedict XV using this as his guide to, to reform how popes are elected in, uh, what was that, the 18th century? It says, above all other virtues, above all other virtues, a pope must cultivate humility by the amount you are raised above others, even more should your humility be manifested. A, per, a pope's zeal should regard his personal sanctity and not worldly honors. A pope should have friends known for their goodness. Huh. <laughs> I'm just immediately having flashbacks to uh, uh, the, uh, the, the tirades, the, part, the inappropriate, explicit parties happening at the Vatican apartments and the members of the Curia who are credibly accused of crimes. Um, a pope should have friends known for their goodness. Uh, number five, because power structures more easily receive good men than make men good, the Pope should strive to promote those who have proven virtue. Number six, in dealing with the wicked, the Pope should turn his face against them. Let, let him dread the spirit of your anger who is not afraid of man. Let him dread your prayers who has despised your admonition. Whoa. I mean, the Pope is supposed to meet with Biden in a few weeks from now. Imagine. Let that set in. Just imagine. Benedict XV notes a seventh characteristic. So those six, I think, were from uh, St. Bernard of Clairvaux, of happy memory. Uh, Benedict XV notes a seventh characteristic underlined by the Council of Trent. Number seven, a pope should choose cardinals from the men most eminent in learning and virtue, ones who are good and well-qualified pastors. Uh, St. Robert Bellarmine adds to this list. He says, eight, a pope should appoint good bishops, see that they fulfill their duties, and if necessary, compel them. Hmm. Uh, and finally, from the ancient oath that popes would make upon assuming the office of the Bishop of Rome, more may be learned. Number nine, popes are to have zeal for the propagation of the Catholic faith, for the encouragement and restoration of ecclesiastical discipline, and the defense of the rights of the Holy See. Seems unreasonable. Seems totally. Wow. Wowzers. And then, of course, that quote from Robert Bellarmine, he wrote, he wrote the quote in a letter to, um, who did he write this to? Oh, let's see here. He says, seeing the great virtue necessary for a man to be a good and holy pontiff, St. Robert Bellarmine lamented on April 25th, 1605, before a conclave, that he would not think of a single candidate who was suited to become Bishop of Rome. 
So he, they don't tell us who he wrote this to, just it was in a private letter. Quote, we are about to enter into a conclave again, and we have need of much prayer, for I do not see a single person in the sacred college of cardinals that possesses the qualities necessary. And what is worse, no one is looking for such a person. No one is even looking for a person with the necessary qualities. He goes on to say, it seems to me that for the vicar of Christ, we are not looking for someone who knows the will of God, that is, one who is well-versed in sacred scripture. Instead, we are looking only for one who knows the will of Justinian, the legislator, and other similar authors. We are looking for a good temporal prince, not a holy bishop who truly spends himself for the good of souls. Yep. <laughs> Boy, you might, you might think St. Robert wrote that just last week. I don't know. I think he might have... Uh... Been a been a little bit of a prophet there. Bit of a prophet. Bit of a prophet. Uh, aye, aye. Crazy anyway. stuff, man. Crazy <laughs> stuff. Before I get more depressed, what Don else? said what to else uh, make sure you uh, email that to the Pope, Joe. Email that to mm-hmm. the Pope. Have you heard of Saint Robert Bellarmine, Your Holiness? Just uh, send it to him. Does, uh, you have his private private email? I right? do. He takes yeah. my calls and my text messages. Yeah, yeah. I have him on WhatsApp. You do? Yeah. Huh? Mm-hmm. What's up with that? I don't know. Yeah, we're I talking about Pope Michael, right? I don't know. What's up with that? What's up the app? I don't know. Maybe. Good one. <laughs> Where's my... Uh, hold on. Where is the button at? Here we go. Every time Joe makes a bad joke. There you go, folks. <laughs> uh, buddy says, can you explain what is going on with pronouns? I am reading people... I am reading people are getting punished for using pronouns. Oh my goodness. So as uh, this may not, it's not exactly related to what you're saying, but Thomas Reese, or sorry, Father Thomas Reese, SJ, put out an article yesterday saying how the pronouns of our Lord, uh, the whole Blessed Trinity, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, should be they, them, which is absurd. Absurd. Absolutely absurd. And it's just like the this whole pronoun thing has gone to the most ridiculous extent where like you have pronouns that don't even exist as words like zay zem is actually a legitimate pronoun that is listed in academic circles uh quote-unquote academic as if that's academia the um so what happened is is that these kind of ideas they're saying that you have to address someone by the idea that they by their self-perception and that self-perception <laughs> is to be uh, imposed uh, upon others. Well, and if you do, you're othering them. I'm you're glad you brought this up them. because I've been meaning to tell you. Uh-oh. Um, I'm so glad this has come up. This, I, was, I was wondering when would be a good time to mention Uh-oh. this. But uh, now it seems like as good a time as any that uh, I self-identify as His Majesty. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Your Holiness. Is that what they call you at home? Oh, yeah, because they have to recognize how I self-identify. Right. So your wife no. says his majesty. Yes. Or your when she when she serves you food, she's like Okay, hold on. I'm about to call you. Hold wife. on. You said you. 
you said you. Oh. You're supposed to say when your when majesty, your majesty exactly. Ex- mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So okay. when your so when majesty Your Majesty. Mm-hmm. When your Or majesty. you could say his majesty. That's <laughs> if fine. not, we're gonna I'm gonna I'm actually gonna I might have mm-hmm. HR. Mm-hmm. I'm calling HR right now. Well speaking yeah. about I've pro- already let them know what my preferred pronouns are. Okay. That's and good. they said, uh, thank you, his majesty. We're very grateful for your patience and kindness. Well, speaking about yeah. pronouns, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen on fa- uh, Instagram, there's a new feature. You, uh, They're asking all users to identify what pronouns they prefer. <laughs> I saw that, yes. So you can actually <laughs> put like he, sure, he, she, him, her. And honestly, that's so confusing to me. Um, and I love Instagram and I love using Instagram. But unfortunately, like I've. I just declined that option. I'm like, I don't want to be identified as any of that. I just want to be myself and be what I've always been, which is, you know, Janice and me and her. It's kind of of funny because there was an article that got put out. I can't remember who put it out. I think it might have been the New York Times, uh, but don't quote me on that. They had an article that was Mm. completely incoherent, entirely unintelligible because in it, the person that they were talking about, they were trying to use their proper pronouns, but the person's proper pronouns, according to them, mm-hmm. was he, she, they, them, um, her, and him, which is all the pronouns. <laughs> and so throughout the article, throughout the article, it switched from he to she to they indiscriminately, like randomly. And by the time you're finished reading the article, you're like, I have absolutely no idea who or what they're talking about right. this entire time it's so confusing and it is completely nonsensical it's a destruction mm-hmm. of language and honestly that's one of the things that y'all should go back and listen to the show we did with um with uh michael knowles on his mm. book speechless controlling words controlling minds yeah very good we talked about this exact issue and that's really what his book is about about how the left is using the english language or just language in general and the the use of words to try to control the narrative, control people and to tr- cause and sow confusion and division between one another. And it's, uh, they're using it right now as a way to, uh, accuse people mm-hmm. of hate speech. So if you do not, uh, use someone's proper pronouns, you are attacking them. Uh, language is violence. Uh, but as we saw over last summer, violence is not necessarily, uh, violence. But language is violence, so you cannot. You have to affirm. So the other thing is the uh, ex. Uh, what is his name? Ibram X. Kennedy and his whole um, silence is violence. If you're not an anti-racist, then you are a racist. It's the same kind of idea. You have to be a a devotee and a participant in the revolution. You can no longer sit right. on the fence. Yep. It's no longer a toleration thing because if you're just tolerant then now you are a part of the enemy. You are the enemy. You know, and it's interesting because for years, I, I, looking at the pro-life cause against abortion, abortion advocates don't care that I'm against them, that I'm for life and they're uh, for the murder of children in the womb, for instance. Like, they don't care. As long as it's legal and they get to get away with it, they don't care what my opinion is. But on the LGBTQ agenda... It's a totally different ball game. It's not enough that you just tolerate these things in, in your midst. You have to accept them, too. That it's, a, it's a much more vitriolic uh, situation under that agenda. By the way, Clarissa says she self-identifies as vaccinated. Uh, she says, I hope my, my work will accept that, it, uh, that if the mandates come here, that she uh, self-identifies as vaccinated. That reminds vaccinated. me of uh, <laughs> Matt Walsh. Matt Walsh was, um, they were having the, he went to, I forget what state, um, 
he was, was traveling to go and speak at a school conference because or a school uh, meeting because they were uh, pushing LGBT ideology in the classroom. And he went to go voice his concerns there. And at the last minute, they changed the rules so that only residents of the area could uh, could actually uh, speak. And so they wow. were, and so they were, so, 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 <laughs> so yeah, so it he became a resident. So, yeah, so it's crazy. So he, so he goes and he's like, oh, that's crazy because I just became a resident there. <laughs> he rented a house <laughs> and there. And they were like, uh, yeah. what we met was. So he, oh. so he rented a house there. And so he goes, so they, whenever asked, they were asked about it, they're like, oh no, we didn't change these rules because of Matt, Matt Walsh was coming. Not at all. Absolutely not. And Matt Walsh goes, huh. What a coincidence! Because I didn't rent this house either because of uh, because of the school thing. It was just happy coincidence. <laughs> I love Clarissa's uh, response of like I'm self identified as vaccinated. Yeah. Could that be used as a, an exemption? No, yeah, good, luck. Not, but good luck. Good luck. It's a good so joke, I, but it, no, no. no. The, the rule is it's, you. Uh, it only works for them. Exactly. Not us. Exactly. That's that's exactly how it works. And it doesn't matter. Speaking about nouns and 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 terms. Um, do you guys know Sp- uh, Anchor Podcast? Um, they just yeah. released a program called Sound Up, which they're looking for Hispanic uh, young um, young entrepreneurs who are looking to start their own podcast and join their uh, podcast. Like ed- it's like a workshop program, but the catch is you have to identify as being part of the Latin X community. <laughs> Oh, like the Latin mass community, or yeah, like the Latin like is that is now we have a preferred pronoun for the TLM community. Is that what you just said? No, like if, you, if you go to the website, SSPX. So it, it caught my attention because yeah. as no? radio host, no? you know we love radio, we love podcast, uh, and I was like, oh, this is awesome! Like a great opportunity for Hispanic young people to be educated on how to produce quality podcast. But the catch is you have to identify as a Latin X. Um, person and so I I messaged them and I said can I what if I identify as a Latina instead of a Latin X person can I still qualify and I haven't heard a response back. <laughs> yeah crickets crickets we have a cricket button don't we uh, yeah we do actually there you go there's your response hey Sita <laughs> asks Joe what's one of your favorite things about your wife wow that's a good question mm. I would say she's all in. You know, she is a warrior. She has been a warrior for a very long time. You know, I'll never forget when I first uh, when I first met my wife. She was a scrapper. I mean, uh, when when men are grow when men grow up addicted to pornography, they become emasculated, and they're very intimidated by strong women as a result. And it's a process to overcome that. And I grew up addicted to pornography, so I had that had that problem. And to meet a woman who was a scrapper. You know, not afraid to fight. In fact, she she probably loved the the confrontations. Uh, she wasn't like a street fighter. Not that's not what I'm talking about, but just that general spirit. You know what I mean? And uh, and then of course we went through our journey of uh, reversion and conversion and um, intimacy with the Lord. And she has really uh, taken that spirit and applied it to imbibing our home with the faith and transforming it into a domestic church. And ensuring that her her house, her children, her family, um, are center focused on the Lord, and uh, she's a warrior for that. And I just love that about her. Really, a, a warrior. She mm-hmm. will fight for her family. She will fight for her kids. You know, like the whole vaccine issue. Like I said, we had a we had a we had a, a vaccine injury in our 
family. <clears throat> and it woke us up. Well, pff, good, get out of the way. Good luck. God bless. My wife's on the case. I mean, she will spend every waking hour researching, getting to uh, understand, wrapping her head around these complex issues, arguing with doctors and medical degrees and our own pediatrician and everybody else. Uh, not because she wants to be confrontational, but because, uh, because this is a, a fight for her children. She demands justice. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but, you know, she, it's funny. She, every day is like there's more religious iconography, statuaries. I mean, she, we, we built the chapel. At the beginning of 2020, we, we both had this sort of inspiration <clears throat> from the Holy Ghost to, uh, to build a home chapel. So we cleared out a room. And we built a home chapel to the best of our ability anyway. And it really saw us through the lockdowns. And she has gone all out. She, we bought, she bought me a, a thurible for Christmas la- mm, that year. That's awesome. Yeah, it was wonderful. And I then, love thurbles. <laughs> then she, went out, she goes, we need to stand for this. I'm like, honey, we, we don't need to stand. It's, it's fine. It's fine. She went out and bought a huge, like, cathedral-quality <laughs> incense uh, holder. Oh, what do you call those? I don't even know what they're called. But there's, like, this massive brass thing i'm like honey i'm i'm that's intimidating that thing is massive i mean like we should give that to the church it's too big and then you know so we have this big icon we have this big uh, uh we have icons of all of our patron saints we have uh, a huge mural of the crucified lord we're about to get another mural of our lady uh the miraculous medal of our lady and mm. she's just decorated the entire house with a beautiful and we just got a beautiful uh uh pencil drawing Color pencil drawing of the Holy Family that we put a huge mural mural up in our upstairs and we framed it. It's just it's gorgeous. Mm. I love that about her. I really do. I that's think that's awesome. I think it's really critical for for home life for mm. the mom to be the heart of that family, mm-hmm. and she certainly is. For sure, that's uh, awesome. Praise Buddy God. said, "If I self identify as a bald eagle, I can occupy any place, <laughs> and no one could touch me because of the Endangered Species Act." Uh, it's funny you say that though. Because there are people who identify as dogs and they live as dogs. Obviously, they have human rights, which makes no sense if they're a dog. Mm. But they literally identify as dog and act like dogs and treat themselves like dogs. It's kind of disgusting and ridiculous and is a degradation of society. And we have these kind of things really needs to be shamed because we lost idea that shame is actually a good thing because shame is a whenever it's done correctly because now we shame good things. Right. If you're a Christian, you're shamed. But shame is is a society telling you that something you're doing is wrong. Right. It's an indicator. It's an indicator. It's For like it's like to guilt. What, to what end? It's an indicator towards reversion. Right. Exactly. And so, but the problem is that we don't, we shame the wrong things now, but, uh, we shame like, oh, you're, you're a Christian. How dare you? You're not vaccinated. How dare you? You're, uh, I don't know. I don't, can't think of anything else. You, you eat too much dog slop. You're a, what? Uh, you're, <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> what? What was that? You eat too much dog slop. What, what is that? It's okay. It's an inside joke. Oh, okay. You'll never get it. Oh, hopefully it's, it's I'll a, never eat it. It sounds disgusting. Oh, it's delicious. No. It's easily, no, no easily. The be- Mm-mm. Josh. Mm-mm. Nope. Let me know. Zogslop. 10 out of 10, right? Zogslop? Zogslop. Okay, what's inside Zogslop? Good grief. Now Dude, you got to tell us. It's, it's uh, Everything that's good is in Zogslop. Everything that's good. So it's steak and potatoes. Mm, uh, sure, man. Yeah. Can be. <laughs> okay. Can be. Uh, Alaric says, why would they want someone to be ex-Latin? Hello. <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Clarissa said, do you have to be LGBT to identify as Latinx? I didn't realize. Alaric said, the title sounds like mm. someone who wants to X out a particular group. Sounds kind of sinister, to be honest. Well, I did some research on Latinx the other day, and basically Latinx is you identify as a Hispanic person that is non-binary, or you basically have no gender. And so that was a really honest question I had for Spot for Anchor. I said, you know, I don't identify as a uh, non-binary person. I identify as a female and, and so that is why I say I'm a Latina. I'm not a Latinx. Um, you know, if you want to call yourself a Latinx because you're non-binary, that's, you know, that's totally up to you. But nah, I... because non-binary doesn't exist. There's no such thing as non-binary. Exactly, yeah. Like Wazamo was just... Uh... He was railing against a new movie made of the Mario Brothers because there was no Latinxes in them. What? But Mario Brothers are Italian last time I yeah, checked. That's kind of so, weird. That's weird. What are we talking about Mario, again? Mario Brothers? Yeah, there's a Mario movie Bros. out, but you, you know about the Mario yeah. Brothers, yeah. right? The video game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they've, mm-hmm. he made a movie about them, and now they've remade a movie about him, and he was railing that there were no Latinxes involved. That's weird. Oh, I'm wow. supposing he means there were no Hispanic actors. That's weird, because they're Italian. Oh, wow. Yeah, because they're Italian yeah. characters. Weird. Okay. Yeah. Um, Alaric says, when I was three, I used to say I wanted to be a puppy when I grew up. <laughs> Society never supported me in that. I feel oppressed. Puppy but, life. Okay, so this is actually a really good point, though, because what do kids do all the time? Kids identify as crazy things. And, you know, you're, it's okay because kids are playing pretend. But at the end of the day, if your child or your uh, nephew or your grandson is there and he's barking like a dog and then he comes, to, it's like, all right, time to eat. And you, he comes and goes, no, I'm going to eat on the floor because I'm a dog. You say, no, you're not a dog. You're a child. Come sit down and eat your food. Um, and they try. And if he tries to eat with his face against the plate, you say, no. Uh, you sit down and use your utensils like a civilized person. And that's the way we raise children. That's the way because kids don't know. And so now we have people who identifies things and they're children. And so they don't know what a woman is or they don't know what a man is. They can't, if you ask them, what is a woman? What is a man? They don't know. They're children. And the other problem is like the case of, uh, of the, our friend that we interviewed. What's his name? Uh, El- not elder, um, younger, uh, Jeff younger, his son identified whenever they asked him, what do you want your name to be? What did he say? He said, starfire. Because that was a character from a cartoon, Teen Titans, and he liked the girl in the, in the show, Teen Titans, so he said he wants to be Starfire. And his mother told him, no, you can't take the name Starfire. That, and Oh, so he can choose, he can change his sex, but he cannot change his name to whatever he wants it to be? Hmm, weird mm. how that works, huh? Mm. It's absolutely absurd. Uh, Captain Handyman said, my daughter used to be a lion because she watched The Lion King. Yes, exactly. These things happen. Kids are very impressionable, which is why we don't let them make these choices. And society should not allow people to do, quote, whatever they want. Things do not exist. Like non-binary? That's absurd. It's an absurd statement because it's saying that there is an, a... Uh, it's denying that there are only a man and woman. The word non-binary literally says that you are not a man or not a woman. There are more than that. The other problem is non-binary is self-contradictory because if you are, you're either non-binary or you are binary. So now you just created a new binary. So it's, it's absurd. <laughs> it's self-referentially absurd. Uh, so no there logic. you go. Kathy Candyman says his daughter used to be a lion because she watched The Lion King and she would growl at people. <clears throat> there you go, folks. My kids do that too. Yeah, kids do that. Let's just, as a matter of fact, last night I was sitting in the chapel, and um, your home chapel. Yeah, 
And uh, my son, my youngest son, Cole Day Thomas, dressed up as a uh, as a cow, came in and headbutted me with his horns. <laughs> I'm like, you just headbutted me, man. What's up with that? <laughs> Speaking about gender, uh, did you guys hear about the James? Uh, I was listening to, to to trending from Relevant Radio the other day. So, a relevant my my former college roommate is the radio host for uh, Relevant Radio with uh, Timory Trending. Um, she has a show called Trending, and in her show, she talks about how James Bond became. Um, you know, he's he's uh, idealized as this male figure, and they're actually creating a movie. But instead of using a man, they're using a female to <laughs> identify as James Bond. Yeah. Well, there you go, folks. <laughs> nah, I didn't hear that. That's crazy. Yeah. It is. It does get a little absurd, right? It's like, imagine if, imagine if we took a, a historic character, Muhammad Ali, for instance, but we cast a, a Latin actor. Or a white actor, or an Asian actor, or a female, or a female. I mean, it would just like, to be absurd. I mean, I mean, that's what they try to do with Jesus, and I think the nativity scene, or like where they had a, a female, like a, a female baby instead yeah. of a male baby. Now or, you might you might argue, well, but these are these are fictional characters. Bond's a fictional character. Okay, true, um, but it's it's still absurd. You could always create a new character. A female character, and that would be perfectly fine. Why do you feel the need to hijack a character and rewrite it like they're doing for the Lord of the Rings on these uh, streaming platforms, by the way? Um, introducing LGBTQ themes where they didn't exist previous. And, and J.R.R. Mm. Tolkien would probably be, you know, throwing up just realizing what they're doing to his work. <laughs> What now? Well, I think it's at the end. Buddy the... said, that reminds me. My grandmother asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. I said I wanted to be a choo-choo train. She <laughs> slapped me so hard. My grandkids are going to be born with bruises. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to end right there. That's some funny stuff right there. Buddy, thanks for that. That's pretty awesome. Well, praise be to God. That's going to do it for today's program. Like I said, uh, tomorrow we have a very special guest, Master Chief Edward Byers. Earned the Medal of Honor as a SEAL, as a Navy SEAL, but he's a Catholic. So we're going to have a conversation 